and welcome to the TO Boston Celtics show. I'm your host, Tom O'Shea. So today's show, we got another classic game, which I'll do some commentary of, of the game between the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, the 1988 game between Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird, the classic showdown. We have that. We are going to play that today. We're going to give a little bit of commentary during this game. So, yeah. I will also go over something else, too, after uh, we're done with the whole uh, gym, or uh, watching uh, commentary and stuff like that during the, the Dominic Wilkins and Larry Bird game. Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Center Finals, 1988. <clears throat> then we'll talk about something about uh, something called the Easter Rising at the end of the episode. Do a little bit of breakdown of that. And then probably go from there, depending on what we do next week. All right. So let's get right down to it. So the lineups are here. Um, at the forward positions for uh, the Hawks is Wilt. Is a Willis and Wilkins. Then for the Celtics, it's McHale and Bird. Then at the center position, it's uh, Rollins and Robert Parrish. Then at the guard positions, it is uh, Rivers and Whitman for the Hawks, and uh, Dennis Johnson and Ainge for the Celtics. So let's get right down to it. I messed up here. Here we go. And yes, the wonderful buzzing sound is back. All right, let's get to it. Those Celtics have played 230 plus minutes in this series. Only Kevin Willis of the Hawks has played as many. Set to go. The lead official is one of the finest, Jake O'Donnell. He'll toss it up, and number seven will be underway in the Boston Garden between Atlanta and Red and the Celtics in the home one. Celtics control. Very important for both teams to establish the tempo of the game they want. Luckily, the Hawks want to upbeat it, and the Celtics want to slow it down and play to their inside straight. Bird wanted to kill, but Willis was in front of it. And the first tunnel awards against the Celtics, and Rivers goes to the layup. Awesome. Right off the gate. I love it how the garden is just so loud. I just love it. That, that just shows you a true, true fandom right there. Just the... How much the crowd is just into it. Oh, come on, Larry. 
Parrish, that's his first foul. Uh, we watch number 65, Will Parrish and Kevin McHale were in foul trouble. But in so doing, Tommy, KC Jones found some spark from his bench. Yes, uh, Akers, Mark Akers, and Ricky Lewis, and Fred uh, Roberts did a nice job coming off the bench to fill it. Seem to be standing on his trip down the floor. That plate of on Buckley in six minutes in matter. He's going to hit shots like that. Tommy Booker is going shot poorly in the Boston Garden. Puts away his first shot. Oh, way. There is our president and GM of basketball operations. Danny Age just scored there. And the funny thing is. Doc Rivers, who would later become the coach of the Celtics for that 2018, and Danny H played in that game. Both had a part in the next championship uh, Celtics team, 2008, after 1986. We might be we might be opponents tonight, but 20 years from now we will be. Coach and general manager, we will work to bring another championship to the Celtics. Banner 17. Yeah, that is, that's 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. 20 years after this classic game happened, Celtics won 2008 title. Which we have um, two games of that playoffs on this uh, Celtics Essential DVD set. So we'll get to those later on, depending on how long the COVID-19 takes. Nice way to pick up a teammate. That away, Kevin McHale. Who also had a part in bringing the 2008 title. Yeah, he traded Kevin Garnett to the Celtics. In that big blockbuster deal. Which I heard he did take a whole ton of crap from the Minnesota fan base. Because I could see that because they, he did trade away their franchise player. He did trade away their kind of sort of... Uh, what the Red Sox did for uh, recently with Mookie Betts, their franchise player, their best homegrown talent since whenever. Well, Minnesota's only been around since 1989, but still. This was their best player in franchise history. They just let him go. Or like, decided to give him away. Oh, 
the shot. Barely hitting the front of the rim. 
Hudson trying to drive through the lines, has it on the turbo, into Weber's hands. Here's Wolf, straight away, beautiful ball. What a nice dunk by Paris. Wow. Shot off as Ted Willis came over on the jump hook, and the Hawks bring it down again. Oh, 
position to receive the ball and right underneath the basket. So we're coming to the end of the first quarter. Well, after this, we'll take a break and then come back and start the second quarter. So, yeah, just to let, give you guys a heads up. Where's the foul at? Wow. Yeah, I, I know. I know this is a game that happened like thirty something, thirty years ago, but or thirty two years ago, but still. Man. Wow. Good thing the Celts won at the end. Spoiler alert. Trey Rollins. Him and Danny Ainge got to a fight when he was with the like, well, like five years earlier. Like he bit, he bit Danny Ainge or something like that. Tree Rollins. Yeah. Atlanta successful in keeping the crowd out of this in the opening period. 
Start the second quarter. Reflect the superstars. Larry Bird is off to a sluggish two of seven start. Dominic Wilkins for the Hawks. Shot four of eight. In the backcourt, the Hawks were two of seven. Wow. We seem to forget that, like, yeah, basically that was yeah, the start of the first quarter for him. I will say it does kind of stink that they don't have like a ticker, like a score ticker on here. To show like what the quarter we're in and uh, what the score is and how much time is left. That really stinks. Like periodically will show up like right there. will like show up on um, second period and then score. Now how much time is left? Okay, I can see where the point is. Wow. Is that Lenny Wilkins? That, hold on, I'm looking this up. Oh, no, it's a different coach. Um, 
Yeah, Lane Wilkins was with the Cavaliers. Okay, all right. Okay, he didn't become Atlanta's coach until like the 93 94 season. All right. Okay, makes sense. Who is that? He kind of looks like. I don't know. Like. Frank Fratello, Frank Fratello, or Mike Fratello, Mike Fratello. About to say, yeah. Basketball games in the afternoon. Watch out, time you could actually do that, yeah. But they did say something that uh game that like one Stanley Cup game was being played like later on tonight at the Garden, so I probably think that. So I can probably see where they're like trying to get this game. Yeah. Yeah. Two field goals? What? Where did he foul? Five to uh, five nothing in turnovers for the Celtics. Out of way. Good decisions. I'm going to keep the ball to it. Well, layups and power dunks. 
What a strange series this has become. Number five, Atlanta upsetting the Celtics to Boston Garden. And number six, the Celtics appear to be a little more comfortable. Now, this afternoon in the first half of number seven, it's the Hawks who feel at home in the Boston Garden. The Hawks get that honorary degree in a hurry. And getting to the Boston Garden, he probably has a little Sometimes do that with this DVD, they'll jump ahead. So I feel like they jumped ahead somewhere in the game, but I'm not sure which. Personal, and he's not happy about it. 
All right, we're in the second quarter. Six minutes and 13 seconds, and they just got the timeout. Tommy, no love loss between Willis and McHale in this series. It's been going on the whole series. A little contact here and there. You watch it right now. It's Willis. Wow. That can't be double teamed. Little nudge out there, nothing serious. But right here, you're going to see Kevin McHale trying to stay with Willis coming up the corner on the fast break. And here's some serious stuff going on as McHale held him, and then Willis just smacked him in the nose. And then Ooh, where was it? They called the second one. Uh, that's what McHale was complaining about. You didn't see the first one, but all you did was see the second one. I'm not going to stand for that anymore. Uh, that's what happens in the series. Tragically, too, but he had a heart condition and he did play something with the Celtics, unlike uh, Len Bias, who didn't play a game at all. He drugged overdose. Yeah, that was another tragic story. Like, the guy died of heart failure and uh, a heart condition that they weren't able to cure. Puts it on the floor. 
That away, Robert. The Chief. I did see a picture of them in this game guarding up on each other at one point. That was pretty neat. Jones did not like 
Seconds left. We'll go to break after uh, this uh, end of this in the second quarter, and then come back to the second half and third quarter. Thirty seconds left. Paris has been on fire in this quarter, at least the, these last few minutes of this quarter. Alright, All right, we'll go to break. Alright, we are back to start the third quarter. Dictated in the first half, he has opportunities, it looks like, to go to the hoop. 
Your coach for the Hawks. I thought it was Lenny Wilkins, but it is not. It is Mike Fortello. Mike Mike Okay, yeah. Alright, never again. Please don't end. Celtic Pride. Thank you. 
Oh, future GM of President of Basketball Operations, Danny Ames.
Here we are, Fred Roberts played from 1984 to 1997. Bravo, Utah. All right, so he was a San Antonio Spur. A Utah Jazz, a Boston Celtic, a Milwaukee Buck, a Cleveland Cavalier, an LA Laker, and a Dallas Maverick. One season he didn't even play. Played in Spain. So he played internationally. He's got the look of an Eastern European. He looks like my name is Fred Roberts. <laughs> I play the diverse in Fred. Oh, that could have. That would have been great if that went in. Away, DJ, and he lays it up and in out of way with two seconds left. That'll get the crowd going. start the fourth and final quarter of this game. Over there discussing the 
happy for us. Coach, as soon as we can clean this, I need to get a little bit of a free throw line. The Celtics have He 
Celtics lead it today, 2-9. The mighty light of the Hawks has checked in, and he has been quiet here so far. One spun well, but is averaging 10 points a game. is scoreless so far. He is on the floor. Oh, Oh, if you're a 
Pretty much one of the most iconic plays in the Bird Era. You're watching what greatness is all about. Larry Bird, who following the game six victory by the Celtics in Atlanta, guaranteed a win in number seven, saying the Hawks blew their chance by losing number six. Larry Bird started the game slowly, but here in the fourth period, he has shown you why he's a future Hall of Famer. 20 points this quarter. He is 9 of 10 in this period. He has hit his last six field goals, and as far as Larry Bird is concerned, it's Detroit. Here we come. Like, I thought Rivers got even a finger on him. The Atlanta 
bench exploded immediately when the call was made. But nevertheless, it has sealed the fate of the Atlanta Hawks. 17 seconds, they'd have to shoot quickly and get an enormously quick steal. Let's see if they can pull it off. It'll take a miracle. Rivers comes in, knocked away, and the foul is called. 11 seconds left on the clock. Nothing's going right for Doc Rivers in these last final seconds. And he's like committed a goaltending, and he's also fouled. So, yeah. Zero points in the first half. Detroit. Well, the 
opportunity is still here for the Hawks. Yes, you know, they have three pointers in it. They still make a steal point, perhaps. You know, you talk about Evans. We had, of course, the luxury of the instant replays, and we can view that over and over. But for Evans, he had to stand out there and do it in a split second as the play came. Here's how that would look to the referee. Normal speed as he sets sail and rivers comes. segment so we'll uh pause and then come back all right here we are to start the final seconds of the game so they add two more seconds to the clock because of the foul by danny age on dominique wilkins so they're gonna go shoot free throws Obviously, missed the second one, and in comes all the leapers. 
Patello can muster. Celtics move on. All right, so Celtics move on to Celtics moved on to the Eastern Conference Finals where they lost to the Detroit Pistons in a six-game series. So yeah, 47 points for Dominique Wilkinson. And they were also talking about too that like um Larry Bird, like in that in the second half and in that uh final quarter in the fourth quarter, that like basically he turned it on and basically from the beginning from the beginning, he was not great, but then once towards the end, he just became Larry Legend again. You're watching what greatness is all about, yeah. So, yeah. Low known fact, Dominique Wilkins later would become a member of the Boston Celtics. So, yeah, let's see. Number 12, let's see. When did he play... One season, 1994-1995 Celts, which is not a memorable team. Yeah. See what they ended. Oh, no, that's not what I wanted. This is all via basketballreference.com. Thirty-five and forty-seven. Okay, not not too bad. Not great. Not a memorable team, but kind of mediocre. Kind of mediocre. Who do they have on that team? D. Brown, Ashy Earl, Blue Edwards. That's a name. Prevless, Prevless, Ellison, Rick Fox, Rick Fox. Part of those. Uh, we had Xavier McDaniel. Huh. Yeah. I mean, this team never gets talked about. Dino Raja? Yeah, Dino Raja. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for watching. That play at the end between Danny Ainge and Doc Rivers? Yeah. Who would have thought that those two would work together and they decided the final play of that game? A goaltending by Doc Rivers. Yeah, Doc Rivers just had a really bad. I saw at the on the sidelines that uh his teammates were uh like comforting him and stuff like that. And basically, yeah, I was like saying, hey, is it gonna be okay? Yeah, after we after you cost us a game, yeah. 
All right, some news. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier to begin with, but so the NBA has decided they will reopen f- practice facilities starting May the 8th. Yeah. So possibly the NBA is thinking of a possible return. Yeah, soon. So that would actually be neat if we can get the NBA back. So in time for June playoff basketball. Celtics playing basketball in June. That would actually be great. All right. Now let's get into the Easter Rising segment. You all have kind of like um, heard some of the um, outro music, some of the stuff referring to Easter Monday, Dublin's burning, stuff like that. So this is the event they're talking about. The Easter Rising, which happened in 1916 in Dublin, Ireland, and it was a rebellion to try to overthrow British rule in Ireland. And they decided to do it while Britain is fighting war in World War I against Germany. They would uh, um, start an uprising while they're distracted and most of their troops are away fighting on the Western Front to stage an uprising because now would be the time to do it. And with backing from Germany, which they will be sending us rifles and ammun- or sending them rifles and ammunition, why not do it now? So they decided that they would get guns from Germany and they would use these guns in the rebellion to overthrow Ireland. And they had a better chance of doing it. But then on Good Friday, April the 21st, a German ship uh, was off the coast of Ireland. And right from the beginning, they just had bad cock up, just bad communication. One of the leaders of the Rising... um, Roger Caseman um, went up, went ashore, and then he was re- later arrested. A British ship spotted the German uh, cargo ship, and the captain had to scuttle the ship, and that alerted the British to the point where uh, um, something is afoot. So, the leader of the vi- uh, the Irish Volunteers, Owen McNeil, decided, "Hey, we're going to cancel the marches." But luckily, the seven signers of the 1960 proclamation. Patrick P- Patrick P- or Podrick Pierce, James Conley, Sean McDermott, Joseph Plunkett, Tom Thomas Clark, Thomas McDonough, and I and Ian Kent or Eamon Kent decided, let's go through with this. We might lose, and we poss- and there's a high chance that we're gonna lose, but let's do this as kind of like make a statement and a moral statement strike a moral victory. And that's what they did. And on April the 24th, which was Friday, so it was the 104th anniversary Friday, tomorrow will be the day where uh, they finally, it finally does come to an end. But Friday was, they marched on Dublin Easter Monday because it happened during Easter weekend of 1916. So they took over the GPO which is the general post office, which is like basically where you go and get the mail. Yeah, you didn't know that. Now you do know that the general, the GPO, the general post office, yeah. Then they took over other places. They used the GPO as their headquarters, but they took over other places too. The Four Courts, South Dublin Union, City Hall, Jacob's Biscuit Factory, 
Yes, biscuit factory as in, yeah. If you know what British biscuits are, or like basically UK biscuits, they are basically cookies and they're gross. Yes, they got mouse hairs in them. I would never try one. All right, College of, the College of Surgeons, Stevens Green, which is basically the park. Um, Bolin, Bolin's Factory, and then Northumberland Road. And they basically held on for days, basically a week. And then on the 29th of April, they uh, decided to surrender after knowing that they are basically going to lose. And knowing that the British have basically just brought Dublin to rubble. Yeah. And that kind of not F kind of like F first made the people of our, or people of Dublin mad at the rebels because they kind of started all this and a lot of people got killed, mostly civilians. So they surrendered. And um, to begin with the people of uh, Dublin and Ireland fought, why are these guys doing it? Especially where we have, we're in world war one and we have sons and husbands and all like family members who are fighting on the Western front because they first saw these guys as basically, yeah, just a bunch of draft dodgers, basically guys who are just trying to chicken out of a fight, trying to stage this anti-war protest. So when the British showed up to, at the start of the rebellion, they were cheered by the people of Dublin. And then when the one, or when the rebels surrendered and they were marched through the streets, yeah, the people cheered the rebels and stuff like that. So yeah, cheered them and said stuff to them. So, but then Semifi came on to the rebels. As the British really cocked up the whole uh, court marshaling, they uh, really did a really crappy job of court marshaling these dudes. They uh, kept the kept the public out of the dark with the whole court marshals and executions. And when they found out there was international outcry. 19 people should have been shot. 16 were executed, but three ended up escaping the execution because of international outcry and public outcry too. Um, what, those three were Countess Mikovich, which is leader of the women's uh, uh, Irish Republican group, the Conan Um Eamon Dubalera, who would later become Prime Minister and leader of Ireland in the 40s and, or during the 1920s through the 1960s and uh wt cosgrove those are the free people who end up escaping just had to just serve the a penal servitude and stuff like that so yeah penal as in like they just got basically kicked off uh so basically they just got banned or suspension for yeah stuff like that but all six or 16 of the rebels including all seven of the signers of the 1960 proclamation were executed. So the guys I mentioned before, Podrick Pierce, James Conley, Thomas Clark, Sean McDermott, Tomas McDonough, Ian Kent, and Joseph Mary Plunkett. Yes, his middle name was Mary. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> all right. So yeah, they were all seven of those who were executed. And with that, with martial law being forced to, that led more people to say, Maybe the art, maybe these rebels did die for something. Maybe, yeah, maybe we, maybe I kind of do hate the British now, yeah. And that kind of led to the revolution or the war for independence in 1919 and 1921. And then, so with the whole IRA, yeah, the stuff like the 
ambushes in the countryside and stuff like that. And the Michael Collins and all those dudes. And in 1921, a ceasefire was made. The Anglo-Irish Treaty was signed. And although it gave Ireland the 20, uh, Ireland a government and an army, it also only gave them six counties out of the 32 counties. So six of the counties in Ulster were still part of the UK. And then they still kind of had to swear an oath of allegiance, which is kind of like they had to act like a Dominion country too. Kind of like Canada, Australia, and New Zealand and all those guys. So, like, if something like another war were happening, another world war, they would have to side with the UK. Yeah. So, yeah, so kind of – it's kind of like, yes, they uh, won their independence, but somewhat not really. They didn't truly become a full republic until 1949. And until then, until, like, then, there was, um, there was really just mistrust of, like, and just, like, really kind of just forgottenness of the whole 1916 Easter Rising. Yeah. No one to remember, especially after what happened after the treaty was signed, the whole Irish Civil War and how there was so much atrocity and execution and so much just bad stuff that came out of that Civil War that no one just wanted to remember about 1916 until like after like 1949. Then they had a celebration in Ireland in 1966 and then for the 50th anniversary and then in 2016 they had a uh, celebration for the east for the 100th anniversary which I did something for it too like I um for a uh, Heartland baseball every time we won a game and sometimes it varied too if it was like a double header or something like that maybe I might like yeah but every time every win I would fly the or like take the kind of what Conor McGregor does too, with the Irish flag, too, after he wins, like, kind of, like, just, drink, like, take a corner of it and, like, kind of, like, fly it kind of deal after every win out. So, I'm walking out of this uh, ballpark. So, yeah, guys would make uh, jokes about it, but, like, it was all fun and games. So, so, but, yeah, so, um, stuff like that. So, and this year, oh, I've been ever since I got out of college or 2017, I've done some sort of celebration where, like, I'll fly the tricolors every uh, April the 24th, which is the anniversary of the start of it. And I have a uh, kind of poster like painting of the 1916 proclamation, which I'm planning to hang up in my living room. Yeah. So, yeah, and I've always watched, like, a documentary every year um, that was done by uh, the uh, the uh, RTE, which is, like, the base of the TV station in Ireland or, like, the main TV station, like, channel, like, ABC, NBC, what, yeah, what those channels are in America. Like, that's their kind of, like, their uh, CBS and stuff like that or, like, their main TV um, station, like, big-time TV station. They are, or like big media. So anyway, like they did a documentary contribution through PBS about the 1916 Easter Rising for the Centennial, which is pretty neat. Liam Neeson uh, narrates it, which uh, is kind of similar because he did, uh, he played an actor or he played a character, Michael Collins, who was part of the 1916 Easter Rising and later become 
a main player in the war for independence called Michael Collins. Check it out. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Yeah. It's like one of those old 1990s movies like Alan Rickman's in it. Julia Roberts. I'm trying to think who the the other actor is. But like him. Yeah, but it's a really good 1990s movie. It kind of got me on to the whole like uh, history of Irish Athenianism and kind of their struggle for Irish independence, stuff like that. So, yeah. I think that about it. I think next week we'll do... Well, I kind of wanted to address this this week, the whole 1916 Easter Rising, because it meant so much to me as an Irish American and kind of just reading the history about it too, like how this is kind of their version of 1776. Like the proclamation is like their Declaration of Independence. Like this is kind of the day, like their July 4th, 1776. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of want to address it. So, anyway, back to what we might do next week. I play NBA 2K, may play a game. I don't know. Depends. Depends on what we'll do. All right. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can. Follow the show on Twitter at junkyard underscore or at uh, Celtics underscore TO. And then follow my personal Twitter page at junkyarddog underscore 92. We'll have those in the details of the show. Follow the show on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast from. It doesn't matter to us. With that being said, I feel like that about do it. See you guys. Banyana.
with the long grind. Fuck! 
equal rights and equal opportunities to all its citizens and declares its resolve to pursue the happiness and prosperity of the whole nation and of all its parts, cherishing all the children of the nation equally and oblivious of the differences carefully fostered by an alien government, which have divided a minority from the majority in the past. Until our arms have brought the opportune moment for the establishment of a permanent national government, representative of the whole people of Ireland and elected by the suffrages of all our men and women, the provisional government hereby constituted would administer the civil and military affairs of the Republic in trust for the people. We place the cause of the Irish Republic under the protection of the Most High God, whose blessing we invoke upon our arms, and we pray that no one who serves that cause would dishonour it by cowardice, inhumanity or rapine. In this supreme hour, the Irish nation must, by its valour and discipline, and by the readiness of its children to sacrifice themselves for the common good, prove itself worthy of the august destiny to which it is called. Signed on behalf of the Provisional Government, Thomas J. Clark, Sean McGermada, Thomas McDonough, P. H. Pierce, Eamond Kant, James Connolly, Joseph Plunkett. These signatories were all executed by the British forces. <laughs>